Hey everybody, with the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suters. We are the owners and the producers of CES, the most influential tech event in the world. We're here to help you get CES ready. The big show is January 11th through the 14th, 2021, and big news, this will be an all-digital show. CES will still be the place where exhibitors can connect with existing and new audiences from all around the world, but in 2021, you're getting a highly personalized experience. We are going to bring a global event right to the comfort and the safety of your own home or office. This will be a new immersive experience and you'll get a front row seat to discover and see the latest technology. Obviously, we are really excited about this. The topics, well, they'll be the same game changers you've become accustomed to in recent years. Smart cities and resilience, 5G, applications of AI, digital health, and vehicle technology. And today we are talking with a company that has been there since the very beginning. Panasonic has a 50 plus year history with CES, including exhibiting at the very first show back in 1967. And after all these decades, Panasonic still remains an agile company, especially during the pandemic, showing a remarkable ability to adapt to such quickly changing times and circumstances. So today, a conversation with Panasonic North America's president of Systems Solutions. But a quick caveat for you, part of this interview was before we announced the big news about CES 2021 going all digital. So we did a two-part interview and you'll notice a few differences in the audio. Not to worry, you should be able to hear everything just fine. But thanks for bearing with us as we adjusted to some technical difficulties. All right, today, a conversation with Panasonic on this edition of CES Tech Talk. Joining us now is Fasil Pandit. He is president of Panasonic System Solutions Company of North America, a longtime veteran of the Panasonic Company. And uh, Fasil, great to have you with us today. Thanks so much. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Um, needless to say, a bit of an odd time in our world, in everybody's world right now, sure. um, especially so, I think, in the tech sector, in the just like name the business, we are going through adaptations and changes and adjustments. But tech is also playing such a big role in either mitigating this pandemic or, or fighting maybe future pandemics that may arise. Um, what is your perspective on what you're seeing both at Panasonic, but also more broadly throughout the technology sector? Well, uh, you know, if you look at the, like the going back a couple of mo few months when this crisis unfolded, uh, we didn't, as a company, think we'd be able to manage these challenges because it was all new. It was a, wasn't a playbook out there that it could follow. Uh, but very quickly, we we gathered and we were able to respond to this crisis in a in a very smooth manner, and uh, that speaks a lot to the agility of the business. Uh, but if you peel the layers, it's really the underlying uh, investments in infrastructure and technology that companies like ours have made over the years that have sort of prepared us um, for, such, uh, for, for such scenarios. And not necessarily, nobody could have imagined this level of uh, crisis, but certainly from a risk mitigation and, uh, and the ability to collaborate remotely and uh, things of that nature, we were well prepared because of the investment in 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 those kind of uh, those kind of efficiency tools and technologies, uh, and looking at broadly the tech sector, there's been a tremendous amount of uh, interest in the collaboration platforms and anything that allows you to communicate remotely and anything that allows you to conduct your business remotely. So 
tech has really emerged as the sort of the front lines uh, at the front lines of fighting this pandemic. And there's technology deployment, whether it's the healthcare healthcare systems, whether it's uh, tracking the COVID crisis at the state and local government levels, um, and 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 things of that nature. Specifically from Panasonic's point of view, if you look at our product portfolio, it's very diverse, um, and we have. We have uh, seen a tremendous amount of uh, amount of interest in some of some of the products and technologies that we have invested in over the years from our customers in in response to dealing with this crisis. Uh, for instance, you know we play a big role in the first tra- first responder um, uh, segment. So mm-hmm. our our uh, uh, ruggedized platforms, our tough book products, which is our, our ruggedized laptops, ruggedized tablets and devices of that nature, have been have been in a tremendous level of demand over the last few months. Uh, that's a market we have a strong presence in. But again, there is a need for for those kind of uh, tools, platforms to deal with the crisis, whether it's at the hospital level, whether it's at the law enforcement level or any you know fire services, anything, anything of that nature. Uh, beyond that, there's been a push, for instance, in the manufacturing sector from uh, from focusing on you know standard industrial electronic products to to healthcare products. So we were able to we were able to bring our uh, past know-how, our technology expertise, our, our understanding of best practice in the manufacturing arena, and provide that support to some of our partners and some of our customers who were able to ramp up. Uh, the production process significantly. You know, some of the companies went from one day creating automotive parts to the next day uh, building parts for ventilators. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how would how would a company of you know a business of that nature be able to shift its production and in, in, in start focusing on a very different product? And that's where we were able to help some of our customers and partners with. So there's uh, there's many, many examples all over. If you just look at the pure, outside of Panasonic, the pure software space, uh, the level of interest, the level of demand. And because again, it's the key enabler. It's the, it's the foundation element that keeps us all going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, um, if you would have asked me back in January or February, you know, imagine taking your entire company remote in, in a matter of days and literally a matter of like few days, I, I just couldn't have imagined that. I, would, I wouldn't be able to see that happen. But mm-hmm. we did it. Uh, that certainly speaks to the innate agility within the organization, but that's got to be supported by, supported by the right set of uh, infrastructure, right set of uh, business models, and right set of technology platforms. So mm-hmm. tech is really out there. Uh, another thing I want to highlight is, uh, there is there's new trends that are emerging that are disrupting various market uh, places in the whole uh, the, the fear of the infections and the and the virus is not going to it's just not going to go away short in the near term it's going to stay there even if there's a vaccine out there mm-hmm. the people will be a little more uh will be cognizant of that and be in the back of our mind so there's a lot of uh, for instance in the food service industry there is a lot of uh, conversation around touchless technology uh, so we've seen uh, and we have over the last few years as we have shifted our business from being more consumer focused to more B2B focused and more around uh, creating ecosystems. So we have invested in some of these areas, but the recent, uh, uh, recent events kind of uh, pushed us to accelerate some of these, some of this, that innovation. Uh, so things like um, 
touchless technologies, food lockers, for instance. So we have mm-hmm. a significant investment in that arena. And interestingly, uh, I would have, I, I was expecting the large chains to have an interest in that kind of a, uh, technology. But believe it or not, it's, it's the uh, single, single location restaurant that's, in, that's asking for those kind of, uh, those kind of tools and, uh, and capabilities. That's and interesting because the, that investment. Yeah, because the pandemic then is really affording opportunity or, or, or forcing opportunity in some senses, right? That you're not, you don't have the luxury of time, as you said, to reset a, a, um, an office structure when you have to change everything in a matter of days and you get to the larger processes. How do you run a model on touchless transactions, say, when you got to put it into real time? So instead of saying, you know, going through that deep analysis of will this be changed or will it not? You're getting this real-time feedback, right? In this case, that 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 single restaurant operations are the most enthusiastic, but that could apply to manage to a number of the operations that Panasonic is adopting. Oh, absolutely! You know, the, along those lines, uh, focus on employee safety. I mean, it was it was there, mm-hmm. but today it's a very different focus. Are you right. are you maintaining social distancing in a in a company facility, and having technology like camera technology coupled with software and analytics and things of that nature? Um, provides a tremendous amount of value to, to people and uh, to companies and most importantly from a safety point of view. And that's one of the things we need to address. How do we get the economy back on track? How do we get that momentum back? It's really if we're able to address the safety concerns. Um, in, uh, in factory floors, for instance, uh, because uh, availability of people is a challenge, again, because of health reasons, social mm-hmm, distancing. Sure. So they're investing in, um, in automation. Um, robotics automation or process improvements. And we're, we're stepping into, in, in those opportunities as well because we have a tremendous amount of manufacturing know-how. So across the board, we're finding, we're finding uh, new disruptions which are creating a new set of needs in the market. And the key is um, agility. Um, it's, it's really, we, if, if you're in a position to respond to those needs in, in a short period of time, uh, you as a company will have a key key play, uh, role, key play in that space in the long run. So window of opportunity is limited, and and the needs are and the needs are are dead, and uh, they need to be addressed again in the in the broader interest of uh, bringing the momentum back in our economy. So how do you attain, if that's the right verb to use, agility at a global company like Panasonic with such disparate uh, supply chain and manufacturing centers and customer bases as well. Agility is something that, that's wonderful to aspire to. And I think that a lot of startups you might find in Eureka Park are talking about that, certainly. But how do you accomplish that and embrace that at a company the size and scope of Panasonic? It's, uh, it's, it's difficult, uh, but it's not impossible. It really mm-hmm. boils down to, boils down to uh, leadership's belief. And, uh, and the culture that you create around the business. Uh, in spite of being a large company, we are, uh, we have, we're in multiple businesses. So each business has its own sets of challenges and own set of sort of uh, approaches. But the business that, uh, that I head up, uh, we, we are in the process of transforming or we are transforming towards being a more solutions company, which is creating an ecosystem around our devices, our hardware, and building software and service capabilities. To be able to do that, your, your timelines, your window of opportunity is limited when it comes to software and services. So you need, to have a, you need to have an organizational structure, you need to have a culture, you need to have a mindset that 
that supports it. So it's, it's, uh, it's not one element of your organization that you can change. It's, uh, it's across the board. You have to drive that cultural change. And, and it has to be a leadership level support uh, for, for, those kind of, uh, for those kind of changes. Now, in a large company like ours, you get into, you know, you have to, um, you, there's a lot of checks and balances, like any large company for that matter, from a legal point of view, from an investment management point of view. But you, you manage that in parallel with, with, the, with your innovation engine, with your go-to-market strategy. So you, senior leadership has to step in and sometimes make those decisions quicker and remove some of those roadblocks that can impede the development in, from a business point of view or from a product development point of view. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a really a cultural, a cultural shift. And there are uh, pockets of changes that we're seeing. A uh, large company uh, uh, as a whole will take a long time to get there. And certain, certain parts of the business, especially which are very heavy hardware centric, may not need that level of agility. So it mm-hmm. also depends on the profile of the business. Right. So I alluded to the fact earlier, uh, Faisal, that you've been at Panasonic for 25 years now, a lifetime in the tech sector or in, in many corporate sectors, to, to be honest about it. Um, you talked about moving from product-based to solutions-based model there at Panasonic mm-hmm. and, and the diversity of business sectors where, where you are just uh, still surprises me when, when you know, you grow up with Panasonic as, as one well-known brand name that means something specific to you. And in the year 2020, it, it is so broad and that you're embracing the key technologies, whether it's, you know, AI or the, the ingredients to smart cities or, you know, all the technologies that, that 5G will serve as a platform for. And you're broadening into public safety to, uh, you mentioned food and retail, to mm-hmm. manufacturing and supply chain. Um, how do you keep a grip, first of all, on the, you know, that broadest spectrum of, of sectors? And how do you stay nimble and innovative in so many at the same time? Yeah, I think it's a great question. It's, uh, it's what makes this uh, the company an interesting place to be part of. It's <laughs> what makes the whole uh, professional journey exciting in many, many ways. I think uh, ultimately it all boils down to uh, what's worked for me is customer engagement. Um, irrespective of the space that you're in, irrespective of the products that you have or you're trying to uh, promote, you need to understand your end user. You need to understand your customer. That's one of the things Panasonic is pretty big on, the engagement with the customer, whether it's your partner, reach, uh, you know, your reseller partner network or your direct customer, understanding their needs. But once you understand their needs, then you can, uh, you can accordingly plan uh, and it's not like specific to a needs of a certain customer, but you, you kind of get a sense of the pattern, which allows you to understand the needs of the industry, what's disrupting that industry, what's, what's, where would the industry landscape look like five years from now. So that requires a tremendous amount of customer engagement. And that's been my, uh, my sort of my uh, focus over the years. Um, a lot of customer relationships, a lot of un, uh, customer contacts to understand the market dynamics. And then bring that back into the business and find the patterns, whether it's the market disruption pattern, whether it's the innovation engine uh, or innovation roadmap uh, patterns, mm-hmm. and uh, and according and plan accordingly. Is there one emerging technology that has you most excited in terms of the potential that it holds for the the largest number of sectors that you deal with? 
Oh, sure. Uh, you know, if you think, if you look at, uh, step back into Panasonic's history, um, we were very big in the consumer space. Um, still, a lot of people think of us as a consumer company, although you can't buy <laughs> right. TVs in North America anymore. Yeah. Um, but we've shifted that quite quite well. Today, 95% of our North American business is B2B focused. So from, from, uh, from that aspect, I think uh, we, have had an, we have had a need to, to change our focus from a product development point of view, from a go-to-market aspect, and this entire business model. And we've done a pretty good job in that. Uh, in, uh, I would say, say, 20 years ago or so, Panasonic started focusing and emphasizing some of its B2B technology, the avionics space, the automotive space, our, um, some of our mobility devices, such as the ruggedized devices that I talked about earlier. And uh, in, or industrial automation, for instance, another area which is a strong um, focus for us. Mm-hmm. And we did really well in, in, um, in those spaces. So if you look at uh, some of these sectors that I talked about, our market presence is, is really high. It's probably one of the top three in all these spaces and there's many more. And uh, what, what we've been able to do through that process is build a customer relationships and create a market presence, have that understanding of the market. Now the market is, now the market is changing. Uh, there is a need for that ecosystem. Customers are looking for more than the device. But the device is at the center of that ecosystem. So the conversation starts with, with us. So it gives us an opportunity to have conversations beyond the device into other areas. Now, devices, generally speaking, are there to collect data. So in most cases, and I'm generalizing here, the needs are around, what do I do with that data? I'm collecting this data. You're part of my, you, you know my business. You know we have a relationship. How can you, Panasonic, help me make sense of this data? And there's multiple platforms and multiple ways of uh, managing that. But that's a common need across these businesses. And I'll give you some examples. Um, In the food services space, for instance, we, uh, for many years, were a market leader in uh, point-of-sale systems and uh, POS technology. And uh, that's, to a great extent, that's something, an area we have we're not as actively involved. Uh, we have uh, kind of shifted our presence there. But the mark customer engagement that we have, those customers are really interested in, in uh, helping, in, in finding ways to drive efficiencies in their operations. How can a quick service restaurant predict um, their, uh, their production needs? How much food they need to prepare and when, for instance? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, a, that's, that's top, of the, top of the mind for them. Um, not necessarily the hardware components because, uh, for lack of a better word, maybe there's commoditization in some of these areas, but this is a shift from a, from a demand point of view. You know, a quick service restaurant 10 years ago had two uh, touch points with their customer, the drive-through and the front of the, front of the restaurant. Uh, today, it's uh, those two plus mobile applications, uh, Uber Eats, and, and many other ways. So you have you have a lot of demand coming in. Your your kitchen footprint, your production capability is not is not increasing as much. So you need to be efficient in your operations. So again, we have the data, we have all the information. Help me make sense. Similarly, in public safety, for instance, uh, uh, there's a there's an increasing number of uh, car accidents for law enforcement agencies. 
So they're talking to us about building a cockpit, a car cockpit, which allows, which provides, um, which reduces distracted driving, provides tools that would reduce distracted driving. For example, voice activation, um, some on-screen guidance and things of that nature. Um, or there are, there are law enforcement departments struggling to manage video or uh, given, you know, given all the video that they collect. Sure. And they, sure. Have, they have manual processes in managing them. So we're having conversations around how do you build, how do you build systems and platforms around that help you, uh, you know, automate that, uh, for instance, the redaction process or do predictive analytics on those devices. So mm-hmm. uh, data is the key across all these elements now. There are obviously each segment has its own idiosyncrasies that require a, a different view or a different perspective on, on the data and the application that's applied. But that's sort of at the core of our transformation. And uh, we are investing pretty heavily in that on the software platform side that will allow us to, to manage those needs. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the deep history of Panasonic in the consumer technology sector. Um, speaking of CES, you are among the handful of companies that has that was at the very first CES in 1967. Uh, Panasonic mm-hmm. has been at every CES ever since. Um, clearly, this is a touchstone event for you each year. Uh, at Panasonic, what does CES represent to you as a company? Because it it clearly there's a there's a, a history back to year one um, with the company sure. at this event. Yeah, we put a lot of value on CES. Um, it's uh, it's changed over the years. It's sort of uh, evolved as we have evolved. Um, uh, my last couple of CES, I thought I was in a car show. There's so much automotive focus. So the <laughs> the, the the show has changed. Uh, but we 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 like that. We appreciate that because it aligns with what we are trying to do. We're moving away from the consumer to B two B space. It's a it's a great forum, a great opportunity for us to showcase our innovation. We spent mm-hmm. uh, billions of dollars on the innovation engine, and it's an opportunity for us to bring it to the market and, and have a single uh, location which brings people from so many different backgrounds, geographies, expertise, and have an opportunity to interact with them. I think that's really powerful. It goes back to what I, what I mentioned earlier about um, the key success factor in being at Panasonic is that customer engagement. Um, and, and having an opportunity where you can, we can, you can communicate with customers from all diverse backgrounds, I think that's really, that's really helpful. And uh, that's why we, we've, we've uh, valued quite a bit. Uh, so I'm sure you're deep in the planning stages right now and, and realization for what Panasonic's presence will be like at CES is, is still a bit, uh, you know, a bit far from finalized, but can you talk right. about some of the key themes or the elements you're very excited to address and showcase uh, coming up well, January in, in Las Vegas? Sure, there's still a, a lot of things in the works, but uh, if you look back at the last couple of years, we've had, our focus has been on, on immersive experiences, immersive entertainment, uh, a smart mobility, um, energy solutions, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So we're, we're obviously going to continue to build on those because these are long-term teams. Um, they're not, they, they can't change from year to year. But we're continuing to invest in those areas, and we'll bring the new innovations around those teams, and and a lot more. So CES 2021 is going to be an all digital experience, uh, reaching a, a truly global audience, right? Um, 
I know it's early uh, in terms of putting finalized plans together for the show, but where is Panasonic right now? What are you thinking as far as what you're going to emphasize, what you're going to highlight, the key technologies that you really want to show off to the world at CES 2021? Sure, uh, it's certainly going to be different uh, experience. You know, we're used to uh, being present there and uh, engaging with our customers. So we'll have to do it in a virtual setting. Um, if, um, if you would have asked me this question a few months back, I'd have been somewhat uncomfortable about uh, the, the whole experience. But we've learned a lot over the last few months and we've all gotten very comfortable with the virtual experiences. And at Panasonic, we put a lot of effort in enhancing those experiences and making sure that we drive a very positive engagement with our customers. And we've seen actually an increase in the number of uh, attendees in some of our events relative to uh, when we did those in person. So from that aspect, we're comfortable with the shift, with the change. And I would really appreciate you of, C of, the, of the CES team uh, for the flexibility and making it happen. I know it's a, it's a big change. Uh, but we're, we're, as I said, we're, we're excited about it, and I think we'll be able to deliver uh, the same, if not better, experience for our customers and for our partners we would typically meet uh, in person at CES. So in terms of what we're uh, highlighting or what we're planning, um, it's still a lot in works, uh, some surprises, some exciting things that we'll, we'll introduce at the event. Uh, but generally, uh, we will continue on building our theme around uh, around the three uh, around smart mobility immersive experience energy solutions um, but beyond that there's also been a lot of uh, focus and effort on on addressing some of the disruption that is taking place currently in the market uh, whether it's new trends or responding to new needs uh, so there is a lot of work going on across Panasonic across multiple divisions uh, to catered to those new needs. And uh, we're hopeful that we'll be able to talk about and introduce some of those uh, capabilities at the, at the show. Uh, so we're looking forward to it, very excited. And uh, again, as I said, um, the digital experience uh, has become, or um, uh, digital engagement has become almost uh, a standard for us now. And we're investing in it heavily and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, you'll be able to see that, uh, see that at the show. So, Faisal, you mentioned connected mobility, a key theme for Panasonic at, at CES 2020. Uh, where are you all right now to the extent that you can, you can share it? And, and how far out does that road extend, so to speak, in terms of the vision that you at Panasonic have for what connected mobility means uh, to consumers, but also to businesses? Yeah, connected mobility initially was all around, uh, you know, around the automotive aspects of our business in developing better connectivity between the vehicle and, uh, and traffic control systems and, uh, and other related uh, aspects of that space. Um, and that has, that has, was very well received. Uh, we had several uh, DOT engagements uh, that are progressing well that have grown over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, we've invested in that part of our business heavily uh, we have a large team out of Denver that's focused on building that capability within the within the uh, automotive space. Uh, but beyond uh, beyond automotive, when you talk about uh, connected sp uh, spaces, when you talk about connected uh, systems, that's that's an integral part of uh, nearly every business's focus uh, going forward. 
whether it's our appliances, whether it's our uh, avionics systems, our, our business systems, uh, industrial solutions, um, just name it. The focus on driving higher level of connectivity between the device and the ecosystem that it exists in is, is a big focus. Because again, the device is our strong, there's a lot of value, but as with the new, with the market changes, uh, the value of the device uh, is not going to remain the same as it was before if it is not connected to the broader ecosystem. So it means data connectivity and, and analyzing the data. And Panasonic recognized that need uh, a while back and invested in the right areas, uh, whether it's data analytics space or building a, a, a smart mobility uh, initiative or focus around our automotive business. Uh, so there's a lot of work underway and it's going to be a critical element of our uh, broader roadmap in the future. Faisal Pandit is president of Panasonic System Solutions Company of North America, a CES veteran and someone who clearly understands the transition that the entire tech sector is undergoing right now. Faisal, really appreciate your time, especially as busy as we are right now. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right, coming up next time on CES Tech Talk, a conversation with another global brand you probably know well, and a global brand that also happened to be at the very first CES show back in 1967. We are talking to Sony. Now, this is a company that made headlines at the most recent CES in 2020 with its Vision S concept car. This was cool and lit up social media. So what does the company have in store for CES 2021. That is a wrap on this edition of CES Tech Talk. As you know, CES transcends the traditional tech industry. Companies use CES as a platform to show how they're embracing technology and evolving their businesses. Companies large and small have a platform at CES, and we want to help you be CES ready. So do yourself a favor, subscribe to the CES Tech Talk podcast, and that way you won't miss any episodes as we head towards CES 2021 in January. You can get updates regularly on the website ces.tech. That is ces.tech, a great place to be on the lookout for more exciting news about the show. As always, none of this is possible without the true stars of our podcast, our executive producer, Jennifer Drogas, our assistant producer, Kristen Nemiroff, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.